0: then that means it's another episode of the Woodward Financial Advisors Your Money in 20 podcast. I am Ben Birkin, Certified Financial Planner at Woodward Financial Advisors. I'm joined by two people today on this podcast that haven't yet had a chance to make themselves known in this venue, but longtime clients of the firm know them quite well. I'm joined by Joe Marks and Ronnie Flieger. Joe, Ronnie, welcome to Your Money in 20. Hey, Ben. Hi. Joe. Good. Ronnie, remember, it's a podcast, it's audio, so you can't just wave or nod. You got to say something out Uh, loud. Oh,
1: no nodding. I know. Okay. Um,
0: We thought we'd do something a little bit different with this podcast. Before we get too far into it, our standard disclaimer, anything that we talk about that might be construed as tax or legal advice is not tax or legal advice. This is just for information and educational purposes only. If something comes up that suggests you might want tax or legal advice, please go speak to your appropriate advisor for that. Um, so Joe and Ronnie are joining me on this episode for us to talk a little bit about books. It's coming up on a cold and pumpkin-y season. Um, usually that might involve a fireplace or a fire pit and a book with which to read next to said fire device. And we thought it would be fun for us here at Woodward to share a little bit about the personal finance books that have resonated with us. Before we get too far into that, though, Joe, Ronnie, would you mind introducing yourselves to folks who might not know who you are? And Joe, let's just start with you.
2: Sure. Uh, Joe Marks, uh, senior financial planner at the firm. I've uh, been here about six and a half years. And my role is primarily to do portfolio work and to do a range of financial planning projects for our clients.
0: Wonderful. Thank you, Joe. Ronnie, would you mind telling the good listeners a little bit about you?
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, My name is Ronnie Flieger. I've been with the firm four years and some odd months. I am a financial planning associate here, so I do a lot of um, preparation work for meetings, um, building financial plans, communicating with clients, things of that nature.
0: Wonderful. Thank you both. And thank you both for being the first two of the firm to come on to an episode for the Woodward Financial Advisors Book Club. Joe, um, I think we're going to start with you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the book that you chose to share, who wrote it, background, that sort of thing?
2: Sure. So the book that uh, I'm choosing to share and recommending is called The New Retirementality. It's by Mitch Anthony. Mitch is a a speaker, consultant, uh, pretty active on the financial planning circuit. So those of us who are in the industry know Quite a bit about him, but I don't think uh, clients might they may not know as much as we do about him. But his focus is how to combine the math part of retirement with the life part of retirement. So, uh, this book really delves into that. Just to give you a quick uh, snippet, you know, he talks about things like return on life versus return on investment, and he talks about uh, re. Tiring, like you would retire a car um, for the second half of your life, versus just the standard definition of retirement.
0: Those sound like some interesting things, and I want to come back to those in a minute. How did you first hear about retirementality? What what drew you to it?
2: Yeah, so I, I've I've been reading his stuff uh, again, mostly in publication. So most of his work is just an article. Um, it's just a short read, uh, and then I happened across his book. And uh, I just, I jumped in and it's the kind of book that uh, for me, at least I had the pen in the the paper while I read through this so that I could take notes about things that um, were were
0: interesting to me. So you mentioned a phrase of his called return on life. You know, most folks on the investment world might know about return on investment and that's important, but what is return on life? What does that mean?
2: Yeah. So his big thing is, uh, this is another quote, and I've written some of these down, but don't put the money cart before the life horse. So he's very big on what do you want your life to look like? And then arrange your financial affairs around that. That's kind of his main premise. You know, there is some negotiation that you have to do uh, with yourself, he actually calls it renegotiating, which I think is great. So it's uh, it's a dynamic situation. It's not sort of, well, I have this goal of how my retirement's going to look and then we're done with it. He He's very big on reassessing that on whatever frequency works for you.
0: I like that. And the other one that you mentioned was retiring. What was that, that second takeaway? Not the return on life one, but the retiring?
2: Yeah. So he... Uh, it's akin to your car, right? At, after 100,000 miles, you have to put new tires on your car. So he really sees retirement. Uh, he doesn't like the old definition of retirement, which is sort of you hit an age and then you sort of say, well, I guess I retire. Uh, and then I sort of slow down and kind of do that thing. He's The retiring analogy is I'm getting a new set of tires on my car. Uh, so whenever I hit that retirement date, I have this long expanse of highway in front of me. And, you know, he really tries to get folks to think of it in that way.
0: Very cool. Um, What else in terms of like big takeaways or maybe the the part that most resonated with you as you read it? And we should say you're I don't want to out you in terms of how old you are. You are not about to retire anytime soon. But this Uh, still resonated with you, at least as far as I know.
2: (laughs) It, it did because there's there's a lot of stuff to think about. Uh, and again, he tries to not focus on age. He doesn't like to use that as a proxy for retirement. Um, so, you know, again, he, he has a lot of these little analogies that, you know, sort of stay with me. But he says, instead of focusing on the means to retire, focus on the meaning of your retirement. So, again, he's trying to meld together the life part of retirement with the sort of the numbers, you know, he's, he's very big on not calculating uh, to the penny when you can retire and then saying, Oh, I guess I should retire. He's, it's more about what do you want to do in your retirement? And then again, adjust your financial situation to fit that.
0: Does he give any suggestions or guidance about how folks can maybe change that mindset around? And I'm that only because, you know, we're in this, all the time, and we see numbers and spreadsheets and it's kind of easy to believe that you can just plan your life on a spreadsheet and it's going to be fine, but doing this in a more softer way sounds like it might be challenging for some folks to shift towards
2: yeah I think that's true he's got he's got a couple of short uh, i don't know what you call them tables or worksheets in the book for folks to go through um, you know he's big on uh, when you do retirement when you do retire. That retirement looks different for everyone, but he's very big on things like staying connected. So whatever uh, social circles that you're in, he's very big on that. He's very big on challenging yourself. And again, this is different for everyone. I don't think you need to run a marathon or, or go climb a mountain uh, in order to be successful in retirement. He's just saying you need, you need to have these things to do. Um, he's very big on creativity. So that's probably. I think he calls them the three C's or the four C's. So again, creativity comes in a lot of different ways. It could be writing, could be reading, podcasting, you know, whatever it might be. So he's got these sort of uh, mini exercises that one can go through to sort of get yourself
0: in in the right mindset. Very nice. I'm glad he's given us permission that we don't need to run a marathon to have a successful retirement because uh, I'd be toast because that's just not going to happen. Um, any quibbles or concerns as you read through the book, anything that stuck out to you is saying like, I don't know if he's got that quite right. Um, I think
2: one thing that uh, it's a small quibble, but the book could come across or certain sections of the book come, could come across as being preachy. Um, again, I would suggest approaching the book with an open mind and just trying to learn something again. I don't think he's trying to say, you need to start a new company or you need to, again, uh, conquer the world. He just wants you to find whatever makes you happy, whatever things work for you. Those are the ones that you need to focus on in retirement.
0: Very cool. So it's the the new retirementality by Mitch Anthony. And we'll put a link to this in the, in the show notes for folks to be able to grab a copy of it if they'd like. So, Joe, thank you very much for that. Ronnie, your book is, it's not the same, but it does cover somewhat similar grounds, right? Tell folks what you chose to talk about.
1: Yeah, I think um, it's it's similar. There are some differences, but it, I'll say it's not your typical finance book, and it sounds like that's similar to the book that Joe chose. So uh, my book is called Happy Money. It's by two folks, Elizabeth Dunn and Michael Norton. They are both professors and have degrees in psychology. I think Elizabeth is also still a practicing psychologist. Um, don't quote me on that, though. But that's their background. Um, Happy Money is a book that talks more about um, how to spend money versus saving and investing it. A lot of finance books talk about that part, saving, investing, how to do that. But this book touches on how to spend your money and how to do it in a way that will bring you the most happiness or satisfaction.
0: Very cool. Uh, Again, not well-tread ground. How did you first hear about happy money? What, What drew you to it?
1: So I actually don't think that I heard about it from someone I was in a used bookstore it just happened
0: organically
1: (laughs) well wait kind of I was in a used bookstore and like any good financial planner where else would I be except for the personal finance section in said used bookstore um but the cover of the book was bright blue which is very different than lots of other finance books I've come across so it stuck out like a sore thumb on the shelf and the title was intriguing. And I was like, this sounds interesting. So did a typical like read the cover in the back. And I was like, I'm, I'm gonna take this home and read it. And I did. But
0: so you, you basically judge the book by its cover?
1: Oh uh, yeah, that's exactly what I did.
0: <laughs> Very good. Uh, so what a broad summary, what's the main takeaways of, of Happy Money?
1: Sure. So I think there's five uh, there's five principles that the book talks about, but the main takeaway or theme that I think the book tries to hit on is discussing or going over how you can spend your money in a way where it will bring you the most happiness or joy. So spending money differently. But the five principles are um, to buy experiences versus like a material item. Uh, Make things a treat. So if there's something you really enjoy, don't do it every day. Do it once a week, once a month, whatever it is, Um, and it becomes a more special experience. Um, buy time, which was a different one for me to kind of wrap my head around. A lot of the themes in the book, um, at the risk of aging myself, are things I've heard from other millennials, um, but this one was different. So buying time, a good example would be um, you know, paying someone to mow your lawn if it allows you to spend time with your family on a Sunday afternoon. And that's not one that I had really thought of before. Um, And then the last two are pay now, consume later. So paying for a vacation before you go on it allows you typically to relax more on the vacation and enjoy it because you don't have to hand your credit card over at the end. Um, And then the last one is invest in others. So whether that's buying gifts for loved ones or donating to a charitable cause that you feel passionate about.
0: Those are great. And I can speak personally to the buying time. Um, I used to mow our lawn. And then a few years ago, I said, this is ridiculous. And that's probably, it's not a huge expense, but it's one of my favorite ones because it saves me a couple hours, you know, every weekend, every other weekend. So I'm curious to hear from you. Of those five, um, which was the one that resonated the most with you?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I think the one that resonated the most was. probably the buying experiences or making things a treat. Um, the buying experiences, I, I guess comes from a, a few different things or so why that one resonated the most. I think it's important. Personally, I understand that may not be what everyone says to spend my money on experiences versus buying a material thing. Um, I know for myself I don't get a lot of value from say going on a shopping spree that dwindles pretty quickly that feeling for me but some of my favorite memories or things I recall really enjoying would be like a trip out west to a national park with family Um, or on a smaller scale going you know, to a nice dinner somewhere or something like that. Um, Those are things that I remember and I enjoyed, but I also spent money on them. And I got a lot more value out of those things than I would say, you know, a new bag or pair of shoes or jeans, whatever it may be.
0: And even though the authors of this book, even though they're both academics, this is not what you would call an academic book, is it?
1: No, not at all.
0: Um, I mean, I don't mean that disparagingly, but it's not written for <laughs> no. other academics, I guess, is a, a nicer way of saying it.
1: Yeah, no, it's definitely not, which is, I think, why I enjoyed the book, too. Not that there's anything wrong with a data-heavy book. I like those as well. But this is a pretty light, fun read. Um, the tone that they write in is upbeat and and pretty light and it's not a data heavy book they reference studies of course um but the way that the book is written it's not a technical data-driven analytical book it's yeah
0: anything on the quibble side or criticism side i mean it's hard to criticize the research that they've done not being in the field necessarily but was there anything that you read you said "I i don't know if that quite holds
1: Yeah, I don't think that there is anything specific. I think the only thing I would say is that um, reading this book, I acknowledge that some folks aren't in a place where they can choose to, say, pay to have someone mow their lawn, right? There's a certain, I'll say, um, level of assets that you need to have to maybe have some of this book be applicable to you across the board, whereas it may not apply to others given their life circumstances right now. Um, But that would be the only, I guess, quibble is, you know, would you hand this book to everyone in the United States to read? I'm not sure. Um, But I do think for folks that have savings and assets, it's a good, quick, light read um, that touches on how to, spend those dollars that you've worked really hard saving and investing in a slightly different way.
0: Um, Yeah, I think that's fair. And I'll I'll admit, having read the book, I think there's probably value in this for just about anybody who is spending money. And I, I don't say that lightly, but it was more, it's a good opportunity to refocus what you're spending and why, right? So, you know, are you spending in alignment with values and things that are important to you? Or is the spending that you're doing maybe not really in alignment with that and might lead to an exploration as to what's going on.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I think if there was one theme to pick out from the book without drilling into the specific principles, it's exactly that. It's reevaluating how you spend your money and do you get value from it, right? Are the dollars that you're spending something that bring you joy, happiness, and do you see value in it? And if not, kind of readjusting from there.
0: Wonderful. Well, we'll put a link to how folks might be able to get a, a copy of Happy Money, as well. Joe and Ronnie, any, any parting thoughts before we wrap up this first, this first meeting of the Woodward Financial Advisors Book Club?
2: Ben, I got one real quick. So each of the chapters in the new retirementality starts a little quote. I'll just read this quote. It's really quick, but uh, it resonated with me. Uh, this is from Senator Green, who was 98, uh, I guess, when he passed away. Most people say when you get old, you have to give things up but I think we get old because
0: we give things up. I love it. And what a great quote to, to read us out on. So for folks, if this is your first episode of your money in 20, please know we've got other episodes subscribe so you can get new episodes. If you are listening to us on say Apple podcast, please give us a review, give us a rating so that other folks can find us. You can follow all of us on social media. I think it's a W F A underscore Ben underscore Joe underscore Ronnie Digo is it WFA underscore Ronnie or Veronica? I think it's Ronnie, R-O-N-I.
1: I think it's Veronica.
0: It might be Veronica. So WFA underscore Veronica. You can actually email us specific to the podcast if you've got questions or ideas for future episodes. That's podcast at Woodward You can of course check out our main website, Woodward com. Joe Ronnie, thank you again for joining me. And everybody, we will talk to you again soon.